Hello there and welcome in to Career Competitor, the show that seeks to light that competitive fire within you in order to jumpstart or optimize your career. I'm Steve Meller, delighted that you've chosen to join us for this episode. And before we go any further, let me direct your attention to careercompetitor.com where you can learn all about my services as an executive coach, culture consultant, and keynote speaker. What I am about is exactly what this show is all about, and it's that of optimizing performance, whether it be within your career, within your business, whatever point within your life, there's opportunities for you to reach optimal performance. We start by investing in our optimal self, and that's what you get to do on this show. You get to hear from competitors within their industries on what it means to invest in their optimal self, to know their best self, and to be so committed to it that it fuels optimal performance within their careers and beyond. Furthermore, I would love, while you're here, to take a moment on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to is on and give the show a follow, subscribe if you're on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to take the time as well to click that fifth star. Those ratings go a long way to letting others know about the success and why they should be tuning in to such an awesome show such as Career Competitor. But lastly, while I have you here, take the time to get yourself a copy of Shock the World. It's my first book, and it's a competitor's guide to realizing your potential. You can get it on Amazon, or you can reach out to me directly on the website and get yourself a copy of the book courtesy of myself. I'll sign it for you, give you a personal note, etc., etc. I'll take care of you. Don't worry about that. But while you're here, we might as well jump into some great content. So let's welcome in our guest for today. Okay, our career competitor today is an Italian native and today resides in Vienna, Austria. He is the author of the book Strategy Sprints and the CEO and founder to their consulting firm, Strategy Sprints. Our guest scaled their own consultancy and has been able to retire from the operations side because of it. Furthermore, he has helped thousands of entrepreneurs reach financial freedom to where they too have a firm that runs without being dependent on them. Much of the information our guest provides helps leaders within a B2B world, but you only have to look at the content of the book to know that his message can assist anyone looking to up-level their daily business and career performance. He is an established speaker, having spoken with TEDx and the highly acclaimed podcast Entrepreneurs on Fire, and today he was kind enough to bring his superpower of scaling businesses to career competitors. So let me extend a warm welcome to the incredible Mr. Simon Severino. Simon, how are you? Hello, Steve. Thank you for this very nice introduction. Hello, everybody. Uh, well, I'm so excited to have you here, and uh, you know we're we're checking off countries on the on the globe right now uh, as a podcast in 2023. So that's how we're up leveling what we're doing on the show. But I want to start right there. You're everything about what you present as a brand as a service is about these so-called sprints. And I'm curious when you use that word sprint specifically, what are you referring to? We were inspired by all the agile methodologies that are out there on the product level in the tech world, and they are really helpful. If you see teams moving from traditional work to Scrum or to Agile, you they light up. They are so much more fast and happy. And so I was like, and I work with the executive level like you of, of companies, and so mainly agencies and small companies. But the executive level have, has 
a different challenge. The challenge is, you know, how do we steer the whole company in the right direction at the right pace? How do we do the right thing? How do we attract people? How do we onboard the right people? And how do we stay in the game, um, sales and marketing? And I was like, if it works so well on the product level, can't we use this also for strategy, for sales, for marketing, for the executive topics? And um, turns out, yes, we can. So I was inspired by that. Teams that are in flow when they build software or when they test products. And we applied that. The strategy sprints method is how to run a company the agile way. And, um, and I'm happy that we did it because right now, many listeners are in a slow growth or negative growth economy where it's actually very tough to run a small business. And, and so I'm happy that the book is helping them, but also that we have the chance today to share half an hour worth of tactics and strategies on how to navigate that. I love that because you're, you're immediately diagnosing a problem right here. And I, and I think that's so important to acknowledge is that even if it, were the climate that we're in right now, or maybe it was just the the ebbs and flows that is owning a business, there's going to be elements where things either plateau or maybe even regress for a little time. And so much of what you're talking about here, specifically that word agile, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big word guy. I love specific words and what they can do and how they can really empower folks to behave and think certain ways. When you use a term like agile or agility however you actually use it with some of these executives and business owners how do they maybe let's say how do they take that word in and then actually start to process it because i can assume sometimes that it's maybe met with a little bit of confusion or or maybe misunderstanding in terms of how they see it how do you explain it to them so they can best understand it Agility is your rate of response. How quickly can you respond to things happening outside? So outside the supply chain breaks. How quickly can you change your contracts to your vendors, to your suppliers accordingly? Let's say outside um, the, the growth rate of the economy changes. How quickly can you change your marketing contracts? your advertisement contracts, your PR contracts. Right now, many companies are trying to reduce their ad spend. The big companies, they start 20% reduction of ad spend. So how quickly can you react to things? That's agility. If the rate of change outside is higher than the inside uh, rate, then you are rigid. And if, if you have the same or a higher rate of change, then you're agile. I love that. And, and and me being a former athlete, agility to me has always meant something along those lines. And it's so easy to give something a definition when you're when you're looking at it in, in the physical form, when you're seeing an athlete react, as you say, in a moment and move right when everybody else is moving left and be in a more advantageous position because they chose to move right. And here you are now talking about reaction time and that ability to internally be as if not more responsive than what is going on around you externally. So when we start to now move this towards, let's say, a competitive mind, which I see is a, a big part of the front, uh, the very beginning of your book, you talk about competition very early within the book. 
I'm curious, how do you get people that you work with to think on what is clearly a very natural perspective for you? Clearly, you're competitively driven. Clearly, you have that mindset. How do you get folks to maybe say, listen, this agility doesn't necessarily serve you if you don't see things or the world that you're playing in as the competition that it is? We do a competitive analysis regularly with our with our clients. We say, who are the competitors that you are compared with? The first comparison is actually not to competitors. So the first question in that process that we do, it's half an hour, we do it every couple of weeks, quick, quick competitive analysis, because you need it for rebudgeting, for your monthly sprint budgeting. So you, you want to find out where are you winning against your competitors right now and where are you losing? So let's say you invest in 10 different features this month. In two of them, you are clearly winning. In two of them, you are clearly losing. And everything else is meh. Everybody's meh. You want to cut 10, 15%, 20% of your costs from the two features where you're winning. You will not reinvest in becoming mediocre. You will directly cut give it away to the competitor and reinvest in the two features where you're currently winning. That's the sprint budgeting. And the process, there is a template so that people can do it in half an hour. And later I will tell people where they can download it. But the process is first question, what else can the client do if they don't work with you? They can do nothing in action, inertia. They can hire somebody doing it internally. They can have Peter, the intern, do it. So what's the comparison against themselves and against status quo, doing nothing? Then if they do it with somebody, then there is possibly you and possibly three others. Who are these three others that you are looking at? And then we do the same thinking. And many times we say, I don't think you should compare yourself to those. Look at those. And then we find other competitors and that's a very interesting process to have and a good conversation to have both in the team and with an outside advisor, because now you are talking about uh, what's our dream, what's our ambition, what is possible, and what is our potential. Oh, we might grow to that level. And these are very important conversations that we want to have with our clients, especially now in, in these disruptive times, because it's super relevant for everybody to find the 15% that they can cut right now and in the next month have a leaner budget with a higher impact so that's a smart move to cut from the things where you're investing 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 but you are not winning against your competitors why should you continue lean budget high impact i mean we're talking exactly we're talking yeah. efficiency now we're talking efficiency we're talking about uh purpose you know significant purpose being able to say listen there's a direction there's sorry there's many directions that we can take if we try to take them all where's the purpose and, yes. and what you're highlighting here is that let's use this example of where we are today in a time where you maybe are operating on a lean budget the question now becomes where can we have optimal impact and suddenly now maybe all those decisions you thought you had are actually few maybe there's a lot less decisions to make because if you're looking at it through that lens of where can we truly make a high impact? Maybe 80, 85% of those op options that you had presented, then they're not even realistic options because you know you can't have a high impact based on pursuing them. So there's a, 
you talk about competitiveness, you started there with the sort of basic sort of wins and losses mindset, and then you explored the where is the competition, but then it's how do we want to compete? How, how do we want to compete smartly in a way where we are setting ourselves up for success? And that's really what you're defining, I would have to say, in terms of people's potential. Is that right? Yes. And sometimes when you do this exercise, you might even find out that you are the absolute winner and still want to move out of it. Let it go. Let it. Let your competitors win. For example, the biggest mortgage service company in the US, they're the number one, and they just decided last week that they will move out of the market. So it's the winner. They are winning eight features of 10 in that market. But they say, hmm, I don't like the direction this market overall is going. Interest rates, the, the rate of, of, of borrowing and lending is not in our favor. We will move out of this market completely. We pivot to something with higher profitability. This is really smart. And they do it even when they are the winner. Now imagine if you are a mediocre in that field. It's even more relevant that you move out quick, that you pivot quickly into something that you want to win and you can win because you are already partially winning this month. Want to win and can win. I hope people I hope people are taking notes that are listening right now. That 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 need to want to win and knowing that you're in a world where you can win is again, I I can't help but look back on some of my background in sport and just see people at times that were just playing the wrong sport. You know, you saw the athleticism, yeah. you saw the ability, and you're like, gosh, if you just if you took that and applied it over here, you could be phenomenal or just a different position within a sport. You know, it was it was and I love so much of your terminology that I've obviously educated myself on prior to our our conversation. There's so many comparisons to the physical components that, you know, are around us in, in life and obviously sport. But I want to move now to branding and approach. You know, we're starting to move in that direction quite naturally anyway as we talk about competition and having that high awareness of where we can uh, best serve. Where do you start maybe in those conversations with brand in order to optimize everything that you're talking about? When you talk about being competitive, what does the conversation need to be about when it comes to branding to serve some of those competitive intentions? Branding is, is a huge part of pre-framing. And branding and marketing are the pre-framers of what actually makes you money, and that's sales. So experienced salespeople just look at sales and say, ah, forget positioning and marketing, all that nice-to-have stuff. The real thing is sales, and I agree with them. But you can increase the conversion rate of the sales team by pre-framing and the pre-framing is done by positioning. And how do you how do you live positioning? Well, that's your marketing. It's your everyday marketing. It's how you show up and it's what you communicate with the brand and is who you do not accept as a client. It's really important for you to qualify out people, to pick your clients, select your clients. Don't chase them, select them, pick them, curate the list of clients. And now when we say that maybe people listening go, oh my God, Simon, you have no idea 
I'm, I'm struggling to hit numbers this month. I know, I know, because we're coaching many, many people. And um, there are all kinds of, of, of situations right now. Uh, but it's actually the start of raising your numbers is becoming more intentional about who is your ideal client, what makes them an ideal client, and actually making the space for the ideal client to enter your world. Sometimes you are so underwater. We, we talk of three levels of, of a B2B business. Turtle level, you are underwater, you're full with clients. And, and then when those projects are over, you have zero clients. And both is stressful. Both feels pretty similar. It's just pure stress. And people say, I'm underwater. They literally say this. So we say, okay, you're in turtle mode right now. Can we move from turtle mode to cheetah mode? And so we help them focus, vision, a strategy, an entry strategy plan, an execution plan. Now they are in cheetah mode. Cheetah mode is focused, is intense, is moving forward quickly. You, you as an athlete, you know what cheetah mode is. And in a team, it's when you start getting traction. People pull from you. Usually, you feel it around above 35k per month that get pulled from you. And you feel like, oh my God, oh my God, I need to deliver quickly here. So it's a bit stressful, but it's all positive hormones. It's all adrenaline. Uh, and so actually, you are in flow. You're happy. You're just a bit stressed, so you don't have much of a life around it. That's why we say fast like a cheetah is great, but we need to move on fast like a cheetah and happy like a dog. So the next thing is we move into dog mode. And some people say, yeah, but cheetah is, is, is sexier than dog, right? And, and then we say, oh, oh, really feel inside yourself. Who, who would you like to live with? Right? <laughs> and, uh, and how happy are you right now? Because, you know, the cheetah, after they, they hunt a piece, they have, to, they have to lay down for like 23 hours just to digest that. And you don't want to be always in this high cheetah intensity. It's great in sprints, but you don't always sprint. A sprinter does a lot of just... Uh, just chilling in between intense sets. It's it's in the chill out phases that they actually build muscle and uh, and build strength. So you don't want to have always intensity on. That's why from cheetah mode we start helping them automate processes, especially the sales processes and the delivery processes, so that they can move then into dog mode also. And and so when you're in turtle mode, you are solving everybody's problems and in the evening you are tired and you go who solves my problems when do i solve my problem actually tomorrow like two hours before i solve everybody's problem huh? that's when i have the kids oh two hours earlier huh? this is where i should go running right so you basically you never solve your problems hmm. I, this is all wonderful. If, if you could have told me at the beginning that we'd be referencing a turtle, a cheater, and a dog, I thought you were about to tell me a bad joke. But uh, <laughs> it, I, I love the analogies because for me, the moment you said cheater, I just thought they only move when they have to, you know, or when they need to, or when they want to. You know, whichever word you think works best for you. But 
there's a complete purpose, intention, necessity behind their action. And, and as you said, that 23-hour recovery almost after an action really shows just how willing they have to be before they move and how co collected they have to be before they move. And as you talk about the turtle analogy, I'm sure there are people listening that cannot help but say, that's me. That's me right now. I'm, I'm the turtle right now. And for someone like myself, you know, we, we preach this all the time on this show and have done since its beginning is this notion of the optimal self. Being able to put yourself at the center, at the core of everything that you do, understanding that by prioritizing the optimal self, there should be benefits that go on constantly around you. But one of the hardest things to do is for us to pause and make that a priority. We struggle with that as human beings, especially competitive-driven business people uh, in worlds such as the ones that you are in. I'm curious, when you hear a term like optimal self, and let's make this now more about you, Simon, in terms of your story, how have you been able to do that? How have you been able to stop and say, I have to put me at the, at the center of what I do in order for everything around me to operate to its optimal performance as well? Great question. I'm, I'm a, such a workaholic. So I'm that kind of guy. I had four years in a row without a weekend because I was always flying. I was flying on Monday to New York, helping BMW with their market strategy. And then on Thursday from New York to Paris, helping Airbus uh, with strategy. And then, and then over the weekend, flying to China to help the next company. And I quite loved it for four years in a row. Um, and so I'm this kind of guy who loves intensity and I want bigger challenges and I grow into them. What I had to learn, and that's cheetah, cheetah mode. Sure. What I had to learn is that if you are just in cheetah mode, well, first, you don't have time for strategy because sometimes you have to slow down to, to, to connect to the bigger intelligence. And so things that I learned over the years. First, meditation. I now do twice a day a small um, yoga meditation. Uh, that is centering and, and slowing me down, obviously. And that is probably the number one impact. I do also an hour of running and some small workout snacks, I call them like little, little heavy lifting, <laughs> like etc. Yeah. Um, but the number one impact is definitely these two sessions of yoga. And that's one thing that I learned. And I, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, I would say, oh, no, that's a waste of time. Come on, just just do, just, just rock it. You don't have to sit down and slow down. For what? And so I changed my mind about this. So when you do it from a place of centeredness and abundance, it's different than if you do it in a frantic energy. Um, it also prevents burnout and it helps you be more patient, listen more, and have better ideas. So yoga, I would say, has been a game changer for me. The second game changer has been hiring a business coach. And that business coach told me, Simon, you need to be two levels above fulfillment. And I said, what does that even mean? <laughs> and I had no idea what he was talking about. And so I learned so much when I fired myself from operations 
And I thought, oh, that's so hard and they will miss me because it's ba the brand was me. Mm. So but it was super easy. It was super easy and it was the best thing that I did. And it freed up time to lead the business and to work on the business versus just working in the business. So that was the second best thing, being coachable, being humble enough. Even if, you know, if I am a strategy advisor, I booked a strategy advisor. Mm -hmm. So that that openness to learning and that humbleness to say, I'm always learning, even in my field, um, that was important. And then also acting upon it was important. And um, realizing that at some point you are the bottleneck in your business, both from your mindset, but also just from the time capacity. I love it. I love it. And, and for me, centeredness and abundance for anyone listening, what's beautiful about those concepts is that you can implement those not only in how you treat yourself as, as so much of what you just provided was about, but also how you take action too in your business to be able to stop in a moment right before an action and ask, is this coming from a place of centeredness and abundance? Or at least, is it coming from a place of centeredness where I, I can commit myself with abundance to it? You know, that is for any business owner listening, that is such powerful insight to be able to just truly embrace that and take true hold of that and incorporate it daily because you will feel an empowerment within the work that you're doing in your work because it will just become this slight it will almost become just a, a switch if you will before every action and it won't take long we're talking about a one two second switch where you can just tell and learn as your body evolves as like my body's telling me right now if i'm centered or i'm not my body's telling me now if i can approach this with abundance or i can't but until you truly practice that you'll never learn what that can feel like so i love that that's how so much of what you're presenting here is is really at the heart of what you're saying but in addition to that the working on versus working in analogy i think for any business owner is something that they struggle with daily is they never want to disconnect they well sorry let me reframe that they feel as though by removing themselves from working in they are therefore disassociating or disconnecting themselves from the business so having gone through that process yourself what can you tell anyone listening that's hearing this. And I think this also goes to leaders, people that are leading and sometimes feel the need to always be involved in everything. What can you tell people about what it was that was required of you to make that move from working in versus working on? This is a leadership learning for everybody in a leadership position. I was totally afraid of losing the, the energetic feedback because when I sit down with a team like BMW and I help them solve their main strategic problem, I get a big thank you. Like mm -hmm. you, you, you see people literally giving you thank you, shaking hands, and also that monetary thank you. It, there are many loops of energy that you get back. And, and you're proud and, and I'm, I'm, I'm fulfilled and I'm proud and I feel great. So... I was wondering how will I deal when that loop is gone? That's that's why I do it. I give energy to give energy back. 
will I miss this sitting here on on my desk writing books? That's not what I'm used to do, right? I'm right. in the field. And so that was a huge transition and I was quite afraid. What will I do with that lack of those all those energy loops? Turns out every leader goes to that transition. As soon as you become a manager or then a senior manager, an executive, every time you lose some energy loops. But you gain three times the loops. Let me give you a, a, the practical example. I don't get the feedback directly from the team that we are coaching, but I now coach the coaches, which is the same complexity. In the Monday meeting, we go through the sprint dashboard, the weekly marketing number, weekly sales number, weekly ops number of each client. So first, I'm not disconnected from the progress of my clients because I see their PNL. I see their sprint progress every Monday. The second, so I'm very involved. Mm. And if they need something, the coach has no time to build it. For example, we always build the, the templates for them, the sales templates, marketing templates, operations templates, hiring guides. If they need a sales playbook and it's not in the Sprint University, the coach has no time to build it because they are in the trenches. So the coach goes to their head coach. That's now me. Simon, we don't have a B2B sales playbook. Now it's my job. I have time. So who's going to build that? It's me in the second role, but it's as an important role as being in the first role. It's just a different role, but it's really important. You hold the back of the people in the first role. And so it's the same thing. You serve them so that they can serve uh, the clients. It's, it's the same chain of value, the same value chain, just another part of the chain. So. Yes, I missed one loop, but I got three loops back. I get loops from the coaches now. I had time to write a book, to take my podcast more seriously. Uh, I'm on five podcasts every day of other people, so I get <laughs> to talk to more people. Right. You get to this. You get the message across. And and today, my publisher told me, Simon, uh, we've just signed a deal for China. Uh, your book will go to China and, and be translated in China. That is a complete new loop that is just opening. I have no idea what this means and how it will feel and, and what we do with it, which is also typical for leadership and for entrepreneurship. You keep exploring new territories. And so why does this happen? Because I have the time and the energy to hold that. And when you have more space, you will get more responsibility because now you are able to hold that. If I was in the delivery, the universe would not send these kind of things because somebody who is underwater will not get a big deal. Let me tell this again. Uh, somebody who is underwater will not get a big deal. You get big deals when you have the space to actually hold them, to hold that responsibility, that frequency, and to deliver on them. And you only have that if you have time. Mm -hmm. I love it. It, it, it's, it. It's such a it's such a recipe for true growth in a professional. Because I really want to make that emphasis here. This isn't 
it, it's very easy to listen to what you're saying and say, well, I'm not a business owner. I'm not an executive. So none of this, none of this is applicable to me. And I, I want to just push back against anyone who's hearing that because, or thinking that because what I hear here is a way for you to ground yourself so that you can have this heightened awareness to opportunity. And it doesn't matter what level you're at within your career. If your goal is to one day get to much higher heights than where you are right now, those opportunities, and as you framed it here in terms of the offer, that offer can come in a better position, a better title, you know, a, a better company. That that That's what your offer can look like one day. It might not necessarily be a deal, so to speak, towards a business, but for you, it's the best offer that you can possibly hope for and plan towards and work towards. So I love that heightened awareness that you can really bring and surround yourself with. And again, it very much goes back to that piece that I referenced earlier about the optimal self. If you, if you do all that stuff correctly, suddenly now there's windows and doors around you that otherwise they just wouldn't have been there. So go ahead. And when you say optimal self, this was something it took me 42 years to understand what this actually is. You know, sure. not just intellectually understand, but to actually uh, bodily, to really understand it is that it's not putting in more hours because my way was always outworking everybody. Mm -hmm. um, I can wake up earlier than most of my competitors and just deliver more hours. But that's not a long-term strategy. That will just burn you out. Mm -hmm. So optimal self has become more of a mindset process of letting go of whatever the pattern is that that was making me succeed on that level of complexity because yes you can optimize it up to a certain point but then you switch gears and in the next gear that doesn't work what brought you here will not bring you to the next gear so it's about letting go I love it. You just you just stealing my coaching material now. I love it. <laughs> no, but in, in in seriousness, like that that is what I love talking about with executives and leaders and business owners today. And I always reference it to the North Star. Like there's this star in the sky that no one, no human, no man, no woman will ever get to. But it's the ones that are curious enough and eager enough and competitive enough that just to pursue it and learn something about themselves in pursuit of it. That's where the great things can happen in the work that we do. But with this show being all about competitiveness and me knowing what I now know about you over the last 30 so minutes, I have to ask the question, just a very simple question. How do you determine now at this point of your career what is considered a win? What's considered a win for you on a day-to-day -day basis? Let's make it as micro as possible. Like On a day-to-day -day basis, when that head hits the pillow at the end of the day, how does Simon say, hey, today was a win? That is such a great question. And my answer changed over the last decades. So I only ask myself one question. Did I give my best? And that means giving my, my all in that moment. So 5 o'clock. A.M. Did I give my best? 6 a.m. Did I give my best? 7 a.m. Did I give my best? In that moment. And you know, maybe 8 a.m. My little daughter, she's getting her first teeth. So I was not in the best energy. 
Uh, I did probably not crush it in that hour in terms of productivity. But that's not the question. The question is, did I give my best? So we measure every seven days, our main marketing number, sales number, and ops number. So we have the data over weeks and over moving averages. And we love that numerical side. But then there is also the in the moment side. Did I give my best? And sometimes my best is just 30% of what I can give. But in that moment, I gave my best. So what I do not accept is that I go half in. That's not in the cards. Uh, but what is all in? Sometimes it's 30%, sometimes it's 110%, and that varies. So I only ask myself, give, did I give the best uh, on a personal level? And then it's a win. Uh, and if not, it's a learning. So there is no lose. There is winning or there is learning. So mm. what do I learn so that in the next hour, I will give my best? So that in the next hour, I will not hide behind excuses because everything else is an excuse. Mm -hmm. I love it. And there's so much I've loved about our conversation. And, you know, I, I keep my shows to 35, 40 minutes. And this is one of those uh, situations where I would happily keep going for another 35, 40 minutes. And uh, Simon, just firstly, thank you for the incredible insight, the generosity of insight. Uh, but before I let you go, please tell everyone where they can access some of these awesome tools and uh, this information that you, you I know you provide quite freely um, on public platforms. So where can we find it? Yes, we like the open source philosophy. So uh, many tools that we have talked about, uh, people can download at strategiesprints.com. This is also where they can find more information and maybe even talk about sprinting and the book, Strategy Sprints, is, is available wherever they buy books. Love it. Love it. Well, I, I was fortunate enough to be sent uh, a PDF copy before we read, uh, before we spoke, sorry, and I was able to read through some of it. My intention is to now go and grab myself a real copy. I don't do well with stuff on a screen. I, I'm, much, I, I'm a hands guy. I like it in my hand. Uh, so I'll be getting myself a copy. But Simon, again, Thank you so much for the for the generosity, for the time. I'm so thankful that we've had this opportunity to do this. And best of luck with everything going into to 2023. Thank you. You're a wonderful host. Thank you for holding this space for your community and showing up with this consistency. Thank you. Hey, don't go anywhere. I've got my final thoughts coming up from our guest today. So please take some time, give it a moment, take a drink. I got a couple more minutes I need to get out of you. Some final thoughts. Here we go. And my thanks again to Simon for joining us on the show today. It's interesting. He gave me a compliment there right at the very end of the episode about showing up consistently. And I firstly, I very much appreciate it. It's something that I take pride in. But secondly, it's pretty clear that Simon takes pride in it as well. When you think about what it is that he's providing, firstly, within his business, but then secondly, and, and more importantly, to those closest around him, his family, his friends, the consistency that his message speaks to in terms of what he is trying to embody and display to the world around him is truly 
is clearly his selling point, is clearly what has separated him in terms of his individual success and his business success and life success in general. There's no denying that when you look at who it is that you are, what it is that you do, there will always be ways to poke holes in your approach to making it more consistent. However, to the point that Simon made there towards the end in terms of how he assesses his wins daily, let's use that same perspective when it comes to how we show up consistently. Sometimes being consistent is having a willingness to show up. Sometimes being consistent is simply doing something that in the moment you really don't feel the desire to do. Consistency is built upon the types of decisions that, frankly, the majority of people choose not to do. And in the case of someone like Simon, he's clearly been able to establish many consistent decisions over the years that have served him. And those decisions have been probably decisions that few around him have wanted to make. We can sometimes frame these as sacrifices, if you will. But you can see that he's learned the lessons through his journey to developing this consistency and to developing this ability to assess if he's showing up and giving his best in relation to the mindset that he approaches what he does every hour of every day. So within this message, I really want to make it clear that what I'm taking away from this discussion is the fact that we all have the ability to be consistent and we all have the ability to give our best each hour of every day. The question becomes, how important is that to us? For me, it's extremely important. I like to think of it as my calling card, if you will. It provides an accountability to clients, to those that are closest to me, in my wife and my children, my family, my friends. They know consistently, more than likely, what it is they're going to get from Steve. And so for me, I really challenge that to you today. How do you show up more consistently? Or if you are showing up consistently, how can you now start to look at each hour of every day and honestly assess if you're giving your best? That is what this podcast is about. We're trying to challenge the optimal self. In order order for us to truly establish the optimal self, we have to be honest and truthful in a way that is going to push us forward, push us towards this version of ourselves that can truly facilitate growth and success, both in our careers and in our lives. And I'm so thankful that Simon was able to provide this type of insight for me, at least today, to reflect, to have this perspective and share these perspectives with you here in closing with this particular episode. Thank you so much for joining us on what I believe is a very impactful episode of the show. If this is your first time, I really appreciate you giving it a listen and certainly staying with us up to this point as well. Please go ahead and subscribe to the show. Share the show as well on any social platform that you have available to you. And be sure to leave a rating. That fifth star on the Apple Podcast platform is so impactful towards the continual growth of the show. So please, if you've got a moment, go ahead and do that on your way out right now. But in the meantime, as always, best of luck with anything and everything you've got going on within your world. And I look forward to doing this all again with you very soon. Bye for now.